compassion, trust, courage, innovation. The values of Temecula Valley Hospital. We proudly present TVH Doc Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Have you been told you have diabetes or are pre-diabetic? My guest today is Dr. Mayasara Rahman. She's a family medicine physician and a member of the medical staff at Temecula Valley Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rahman. Tell us about diabetes. Can it be caught in the pre-diabetic and early phases, and how important is that? Diabetes can be actually caught early if um, your physician screens uh, the patient when they go in, if they have risk factors of getting diabetes. Um, we do screen patients who are asymptomatic, and many of the times we do, um, we do have results that come back as pre-diabetes. So what are you screening? What are you looking for? So we're looking for um, we're looking for patients who have prediabetes. The way we screen for prediabetes is there's many ways to screen for it. We can do just a fasting blood sugar that shows that tells us what the fasting blood sugars are. What's normal is anything below 100. Anything from 100 to 125 fasting blood sugar that's considered prediabetes. If your doctor chooses to do a different type of screening test, which is called the hemoglobin A1C, that is a test that we do to, uh, it gives us a really good average of your blood sugars for the past three months. And this is the test that I usually use on my patients. And it's pretty um, effective and it's pretty specific to uh, catch patients who have prediabetes. So if your A1C comes back as uh from 5.7 to 6.4, this puts you in the prediabetes range. So why are you trying to catch it early? What, are you, what do you want to tell patients about the importance of catching it early? So there's a lot of benefit from catching um, diabetes early. And one of them is to prevent a lot of the microvascular and macrovascular disease processes that can happen as a result of diabetes. Some of the um, some of the things, the microvascular complications. I mean, most of the patients that are diabetic, by the time that they are diagnosed diabetic, they already have the complications of diabetes. That includes uh, retinopathy, that means eye disease, um, and also kidney disease, as well as um, nerve disease, neuropathy, which affects the nerves um, to your legs. Most patients come in complaining of foot pain and. And that's actually a complications of uncontrolled diabetes. If someone hasn't been told they have prediabetes or they haven't been checked, are there some symptoms that people might look for? Because type 2, which is what we're discussing, used to be called adult onset. It's not anymore. Are there some symptoms that people can look for in their children even to help identify whether or not they have diabetes? Unfortunately, prediabetes, is, the patients usually don't have any symptoms. But as they get closer to an A1C of 6.5, they may start to urinate a lot more frequently or they may want to drink more fluids than usual and they may feel a little bit of a dehydration. But in type 2 diabetes, it, frequent, it, it frequently goes undiagnosed for many years because the hyperglycemia develops gradually. In the earlier stages, it's not severe enough for the patient to notice the classic diabetes symptoms. So when we're talking about type 2, please just give a little difference for the listeners. They hear the word diabetes. What is the difference between type 1 and type 2? 
So type 2 diabetes is a, it's a type of diabetes where the patient is still making insulin, that the pathophysiology of it, could, it's multifactorial. One, obesity can cause it. Two, it could be a genetic predisposition um, to getting the type 2 diabetes. But the majority of the time in, in our society, it's mainly obesity. And with type 1? And with type 1 diabetes, this is more of a uh, where the pancreas, for some reason, is, um, it stops producing insulin. And you are, and, and most of the time when they do get the type 1 um, diabetes, you can't give them any oral medication to help them um, make insulin because their pancreas is pretty much shot. And most of the time it's an autoimmune process which kills the cells in the pancreas that make the insulin. So then what, if you do determine that someone is pre-diabetic, what is the first thing you tell them that they need to do or change in their lifestyle to help them from possibly having it turn into full-blown diabetes? Well, the most important thing um, when I diagnose somebody with pre-diabetes is we talk about lifestyle modification. So, you know, once once we call our patients pre-diabetic, it's mainly a wake-up call for the patient. It's an opportunity to prevent the complications of diabetes. So that means um, we talk about weight loss. So it's been shown that if the patient loses more than 7% of their body weight, they can actually reverse it at the beginning stages of pre-diabetes. And I also, we also talk about exercise. It is recommended that patients uh, walk more than 150 minutes per week. So depending on the patient, we'll talk about ways that they can achieve that goal. And with every patient, they have different lifestyles. So some patients will choose at times to walk maybe 10 minutes a day or 30 minutes, you know, three times a week. No matter what the... Um, it, it's really important for physicians to work with that patient and individualize their um, work on self-management goals to help them, you know, lose weight and increase their activity. When does type 2 diabetes become insulin dependent? When is it, what are some of the treatments that you give people besides exercise and healthy diet? For pre-diabetics, I usually start treating them with metformin after their A1C usually gets to about six. Um, for some, and then, you know, in, in addition to their lifestyle modification, in somebody who is say type two diabetic, um, the, you know, I start insulin if their A1C say is above nine. And here's the important thing with treating type two di- diabetics. If you are recently diagnosed, um, studies have shown that we need to get control, you know, as as soon as we can on that patient because if we let the diabetes um, go on uncontrolled, it can cause a lot of complications down the line. So in patients who are recently diagnosed, we talk about different treatment options. The treatment options are vary depending on that individual that you're treating. So some patients I may choose to start insulin. Some patients who are uh, who don't want to start on insulin, I usually start on oral medication. So I have to individualize the treatment plan because there's a lot of indications and contraindications to the usage of many different oral hypoglycemic agents. 
If somebody adopts a healthy lifestyle, is there a chance if they were insulin dependent to become non-insulin dependent or to see their diabetes stave off a little bit? Well, that's a great question because most of my diabetic patients actually ask me the same question. Here's the deal. With somebody who has chronic diabetes and have they're already on insulin, the chances of them reversing it is uh, pretty slim. But what I can say is that if they do lose weight, they may require less insulin. That's a very good answer. Now, in just the last few minutes, give your best advice for or your best tips for eating healthy. When you have diabetes, people don't know what to eat, and they're not sure what a carbohydrate is, or should they be eating more protein, or really how to eat healthy when they have diabetes. Yeah, I think for patients who have diabetes, it it is really important to understand um, what they're eating and and how the, the types of foods they're eating, how it can affect their diabetes. Um, so what I could say is, you know, eating more, um, fibrous foods, staying away from anything that could be, um, with, the cutting down on the carbohydrate portions, having most patients, they, when they come in, they really want to start that diet just for a short time. But what I usually tell them, this is no diet. This is going to be your lifestyle for the rest of your life. So don't think about this as a diet only to control your diabetes for the next month or the following month. This is a lifestyle. So eating healthier is every day, and it's not just temporary. So we, I teach them a lot about, you know, the good carbs versus bad carbs. Um, and then I also send them to a nutrition class and a diabetes education class if I feel the patient may need more um, instruction from a nutritionist on how they should uh, improve their diet. Dr. Raman, what should people with diabetes be thinking about when seeking care? When they seek care, it is important to ask a lot of questions when you go in and talk to your doctor. What does your A1C mean? I think uh, patients need to discuss three things with their primary care doctor. One, is their A1C a goal? They need to know what their goal is. Every patient has a specific um, and an individualized uh, A1C goal, depending on their age and their comorbidities. B would be their blood pressure. They need to make sure that their blood pressure is also on the low side. Um, And C is their cholesterol. And they need to make sure that their cholesterol is is at goal. Now, if they take care of their ABCs on every visit, I can, um, I can assure you that they are on the right track in terms of lowering their risk for cardiovascular disease and also cardiovascular events. And Dr. Raman, why should they come to Temecula Valley Hospital for their care? Temecula Valley Hospital, in my opinion, is a, um, it's a great hospital for patients because what I do, I'm also, I'm a hospitalist there. I take care of patients both in the outpatient setting and also in the inpatient setting. And from what I see, what I do is they, I, I admit a lot of patients who have diabetes and complications of diabetes. But what's great about Temecula is they have a kind of an, an informal team that takes care of their diabetics. You have the physician, you have the nutritionist, you have the social worker, case manager. We're all working together to make sure, one, that we adjust 
the doctor adjusts their medications there. The nutritionist talks to the patient about their goals and their nutrition. And then the case manager and the social worker really help us with coordinating that patient's care to outpatient to make sure that there's no gaps in their care as they as we uh, send them home and have them to continue to follow up with their primary care physician. It's a real multidisciplinary approach, yes? It is definitely a multidisciplinary approach, and uh, we work as a, a full healthcare team, from the nurses to the nutritionists um, to the case managers. Um, we all work together. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Raman. It's great information. You're listening to TVH Doc Talk with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, please visit TemeculaValleyHospital.com. That's TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.